Chapter Twelve of Blessed Edmund Campion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway, England. Blessed Edmund Campion by Louise Imogen Guinney. Chapter Twelve: The Thick of the Fray, fifteen eighty one campion in between the working of the rollers was asked his opinion of certain political utterances in the works of his old friends allen and bristow and of dr sander also whether he considered the queen true and lawful or pretensed and deprived he refused to answer physical anguish could be little worse than the ineffable boredom of these two never quiet questions he was then asked by the governor the rackmaster and others present by whose command and counsel he had returned to england by whom in england he had been received and befriended in whose houses he had said mass heard confessions and reconciled persons to his church where his recent book was printed and to whom copies were given lastly what was his opinion of the bull of pius v against queen elizabeth a letter written at the time to items in the above category houses were searched persons of mark were apprehended tried in the star chamber and sentenced almost every manse or town-house where campion had been harboured became known and even the names of those oxford masters of arts who had followed him to lyford the government gave out that he had confessed upon the rack and implicated his two trusting friends the alleged facts naturally became a general scandal and bred grief and horror among the catholics who no less than protestants were thus driven to believe them the secrets were probably given up under panic by three serving men and by poor gervaise pierre point it was a common trick of the time though not peculiar to it to show a prisoner a lying list of names purporting to have been extracted from colleagues so that he himself might be trapped into endorsing the suspicions held in regard to those names but it is clear that campion was brought to mention only a few who as he was aware were formerly known to his examiners as catholic recusants and only after a solemn oath from the commissioners that no harm could accrue to them in consequence of such supplementary mention even this he had every cause to regret the gentlemen and gentlewomen on lord burley's lists were carefully informed when arrested that it was campion who had betrayed them a cruel slander which he could refute only at the foot of the scaffold thanks to the reports first of his backsliding then of his treachery his great reputation for the time being was clean gone having thus been given forth to the public as a knave he was now to be set before them as a fool shown to be one who possessed neither sort of superiority moral or mental many courtiers having a purely artistic interest in edmund campion had begged that he might obtain the chance he had often asked for of being heard in a disputation this request was now suddenly granted the conference was public and came off of the norman chapel of the tower 
which was crowded two deans noel of st paul's and day of windsor were appointed to attack campion he was to answer all objections as he could but was forbidden to raise any of his own clark the bitter puritan preacher of gray's inn and whitaker the regius professor of divinity in cambridge were the notaries the line to be baited did not even know that there was to be a conference until he was brought to it under a strong guard time for preparation had been denied him platforms and their tables spread with books of reference pens and paper one who was there tells us how easy and ready were his answers how modest his mien how that high-spirited nature so bore the scorn the abuse and the jests heaped upon him as to win great admiration from the majority of those who heard him for the first time he began by asking very pertinently whether this was a just answer to his challenge first rack him then to deprive him of books notes and pen lastly to call upon him to debate and he added wishing to be fully understood by the audience that what he had asked for was quite another sort of hearing a hearing under equal conditions before the universities during the course of this first conference he was twice most unfairly tripped up once over a quotation in which he was right though he could not then and there prove it and again over a page of the greek testament in such small type that he could not read it and had to put it by when it was handed to him thereby drawing down upon himself the ridiculous taunt that he knew no greek this he took silently and with a smile at the end of the six hours he had more than stood his ground the deans complained afterwards that a number of gentlemen present neither unlearned nor ill-affected considered that master campion had the best of it some common people who thought so too and said so in the streets paid dearly for their boldness one of these gentlemen favourably impressed was philip earl of arundel then in the flush of worldly pride and pleasure he was the real victory of the jesuit apostle for he received at that time and in that place the first ray of divine grace strong enough to change gradually in him the whole motive and course of that intensity of life which never failed the howards as he stood leaning forward in the foreground of the day in that solemn interior tall and young with his great ruff and embroidered doublet and his brilliant dark eyes held by the pathetic figure of master campion how little could he have foreseen his own weary term of suffering in that gloomy fortress and his sainted death there at the end of the years there were three other conferences under like conditions but in other quarters with four fresh adversaries campion was again appointed only to answer never to oppose that is to answer miscellaneous and disjointed objections against the catholic church without ever being allowed to build up any harmonious apology for his own system the last conference was notable for its browbeating and threatening of a too successful adversary the bishop of london privately came to the conclusion that the verbal tournament 
was doing no good whatever to the sacred cause of protestantism the council agreed and ended it towards the end of october campion was racked for the third time and with the utmost severity so that he thought they meant this time to kill him but his fortitude was unshaken a rough and honest first cousin to the queen henry carey lord hunsdon growled that it were easier to pluck the heart out of campion's breast than to wrest from him one word against his conscience his arms and legs went quite numb after this final torture the keeper who was won over by his endearing prisoner and was always as gentle with him as he dared to be inquired next day how they felt not ill said father edmund with all of his old brave brightness not ill because not at all never once until now had he been accused of any conspiracy but he was a troublesome person he must be silenced somehow with a tardy inspiration the council bent all their strength to get out of campion some acknowledgment that he had been mixed up with the spanish roman expedition and the irish rising of the preceding year not a shadow of proof could of course be produced for such a charge then as a final and sure means of indicting him on some other count than that of religion and of urging his execution upon the queen walsingham with burleigh's connivance hatched a treasonable plot out of his own inventive head and got false witnesses to accuse edmund campion of it and swear his life away the plot of rhymes and rome was described as an attempt to raise a sedition and dethrone and to kill the queen it had an imaginary but recent date fifteen eighty everybody or anybody when found convenient could be accused of so elastic a plot it was first charged against some twenty priests and laymen in this year fifteen eighty one but it was brought up against the earl of arundel four years afterwards despite the fact that the supposed interests of the church were the last things likely to win his attention at the time assigned on all saints day arrived in england a suitor for the hand of queen elizabeth francis duke of alencon king of the netherlands the short-lived heir to the throne of king henry the third of france with that king while duke of anjou and with alencon for nine years past as for three yet to come elizabeth had carried on negotiations which ended in smoke but she now announced that she would marry at last little froggy as she endearingly called him was ugly to a degree and many years younger than her majesty he was brother-in-law to the queen of scots who was her majesty's prisoner at sheffield the dominant ultra-bigoted party took extreme alarm at the near prospect of toleration for catholics which such a royal match suggested to them to reassure them it might just now be most useful thought the council to hang a jesuit or two on the fourteenth of the month campion and eight others were arraigned before the grand jury in westminster hall for treasonable intents of the queen's deprivation and murder these secret and privy practices of sinister devices 
befitting one led astray by the devil had edmund campion clark made his re-entry into england the pope meanwhile being not only aware of his act but its author and onsetter he was commanded as were all those lumped with him in a common accusation to plead guilty or not guilty up went all the right arms of those devotaries and dead men to this world who travelled only for souls as campion himself called them all but his so disabled by the rack that he could not stir it from the furred cuff in which it lay but a quick-witted comrade turned and took off the cuff humbly kissing the sacred hand so wrung for the confession of christ and lifted it high to cry its own mute not guilty with the rest the spanish ambassador don bernardino de mendoza standing close by with his secretary saw with a pang of pity that all the finger-nails were gone from campion's swollen hands the trial proper began on the twentieth before such a presence of people of the more honourable wise learned and best sort as was never seen or heard of in that court in ours or our father's memories before us so wonderful an expectation there was to see the end of this marvellous tragedy of such as they knew in conscience to be innocent they all heard ralph sherwin say in a loud clear voice the plain ground of our standing here is religion and not treason chief justice ray presided a catholic at heart and wretched ever after over this unwilling day's work the prosecuting officers for the crown were the queen's sergeant edmund anderson popham afterwards chief justice and egerton afterwards the first lord ellesmere the chief witnesses were george elliot anthony mundy and two creatures named sled and caddy probably as evil a quartet as existed in contemporary england and worthy forerunners of oats and bedloe they had nothing left to swear as campion reminded the jury neither religion nor honesty in no special order but with much ardour and diligence all the old tiresome trivial accusations brought forward and pressed in campion being spokesman throughout for the defence and his alert mind despite his weakened body meeting them all and rooting them he was charged with having seduced the queen's subjects from their allegiance and reconciled them to the pope he caught up the word we reconcile them to the pope nay then what reconciliation can there be to him since reconciliation is only due to god this word reconcile soundeth not to a lawyer's usage and therefore is rested against us inaptly the reconciliation that we endeavoured was only to god as peter saith reconcilia mini domino be ye consoled unto the lord campion was informed yourself came as procurator from the pope and dr allen to break these matters to the english papists so he rejoined that in his homeward voyage from rome and to take him by his vow of obedience as a jesuit the which accordingly i enterprised being commanded thereto 
he had dined with dr allen at rheims with whom also after dinner i walked in his garden and not one jot of our talk glanced to the crown or state of england as to the pope he flatly with charging commandment excused me from matters of state and regiment followed a change of tactics after claps make those excuses but shadows for what meaning had that changing of your name whereto belonged your disguising in apparel what pleasure had you to hoist it in a velvet hat and a feather a buff leather jerkin and a velvet venetians can that beseem a professed man of religion which hardly becometh a layman of gravity no there was a further matter intended had you come hither for love of your country you would never have wrought a hagamugger had your intent been to have done well never have hated the light to which campion replied that saint paul in order that living he might benefit the church more than dying betook himself to sundry shifts but that especially the changing of his name was very oft and familiar and that he sometimes thought it expedient to be hidden lest being discovered persecution should ensue thereby and the gospel be greatly forestalled if these shifts were then approved in paul why are they now reproved in me he an apostle i a jesuit the same cause common to us both i wished earnestly the planting of the gospel i knew a contrary religion professed i saw if i were known i should be apprehended i changed my name i kept secretly i imitated paul was i therein a traitor the wearing of a buff jerkin a velvet hat and such like is much forced against me i am not indicted upon the statute of apparel indeed i acknowledge an offence to godwards for so doing and thereof it doth grievously repent me and i therefore do now penance as you see me this charming rejoinder again how more like was in allusion to his rough gown of irish frieze and a huge black nightcap covering half of his newly shaven face after all this mere hectoring some pieces of evidence were produced one of these was an intercepted letter which campion himself had written from the tower after his first and comparatively moderate racking while it was still possible to use his hands it was addressed to the admirable and truly holy but fussy mr thomas pound who wild with alarm at the pretended betrayals had written to remonstrate with father campion the queen's council now read this passage from campion's humble reply it grieveth me much to have offended the catholic cause so highly as to confess the names of some gentlemen and friends in whose houses i had been entertained yet in this i greatly cherish and comfort myself that i never discovered any secrets there declared that i will not come rack come rope the comment of the reader in court was an obvious one what can sound more suspiciously or nearer unto treason than this letter it must needs be some grievous matter and very pernicious that neither rack nor rope can wring from him but campion's even more obvious answer was that there he spoke as one by profession and calling a priest vowed to silence in regard to what was made known in the confessional and yet pressed on the rack to divulge secrets thus communicated to him these were the hidden matters in concealing of which i so greatly rejoiced to the revealing whereof i cannot nor will not be brought come rack come rope well chosen was this answer of campion's it has been pointed out 
that if he had stated here that he had told on no one who was not already found out he would have loosed the informers and manhunters afresh on the whole catholic community until his other friends who had not been found out were run down instead of that he drew off attention by reminding the court that he could not repeat what had been sacramentally confided to him most of his hearers were either catholic or had been catholic and acquiesced he spoke truth but he skipped explanations and such is more often than not the highest wisdom in this complex world there were now read out certain papers containing oaths to be administered to persons ready to renounce their obedience to her majesty and to be sworn of the papal allegiance alone these were said to have been found in houses where campion had lurked and for religion been entertained hence they were of his composing he objected that the administering of oaths was repugnant to him and exceeded his authority neither would i commit an offence so thwart to my profession for all the substance and treasure in the world he went on to say assuming for his purpose that the precious papers were not forged though they really were so that there was no proof of their connection with himself nor was it even pretended that they were in his handwriting anderson replied with singular perversity or dumbness you professed papist coming to a house and then such reliques found after your departure how can it otherwise be implied but that you did both bring them and leave them there so it is flat they came there by means of a papist ergo by your means the logician in campion dashed to the fore could it be shown that no other papist ever visited that house but himself if not they were urging a conclusion before framing a minor which is imperfect he added it proves nothing apparently sergeant anderson was sufficiently enraged by now his highly judicial retort is on record if here as you do in schools you bring in your minor and conclusion you will prove yourself but a fool but minor or conclusion i will bring it to purpose anon elliot then rose as witness and gave his account of the sunday sermon at lyford how master campion spoke of enormities in england and of a day of change soon coming welcome to the shaken and dispersed catholics but dreadful to the heretical masters of the land what day should that be broke in the queen's council but that wherein the pope the king of spain and the duke of florence have appointed to invade this realm campion turned his eyes on elliot oh judas judas as in all other christian commonwealths so in england many vices and iniquities do abound whereupon as in every pulpit every protestant doth i pronounced a great day not wherein any temporal potentate should minister but wherein the terrible judge should reveal all men's consciences and try every man any other day than this god he knows i meant not so much for the astonishing evidence of this most astonishing of all trials one only under pontius pilate excepted the chief count against the defendant was the old one of the bull of deposition and the denied authority of the queen in spirituals that wretched family skeleton trotted out once more you refuse to swear to the supremacy a notorious token of an evil willer to the crown 
campion who was surely what antony wood quaintly calls him a sweet disposition and a well-polished man stated his position once more loosely and with perfect temper began by referring to what passed at the earl of leicester's london house not long since it pleased her majesty to demand of me whether i did acknowledge her to be my queen or no i answered that i did acknowledge her highness not only as my queen but also as my most lawful governess and being further required by her majesty whether i thought the pope might lawfully excommunicate her or no i answered i confess myself an insufficient umpire between her majesty and the pope for so high a controversy whereof neither the certainty is yet known nor the best divines in christendom stand fully resolved i acknowledged her highness as my governor and sovereign i acknowledge her majesty both in fact and by right to the queen i confess an obedience due to the crown as to my temporal head and primate this i said then so i say now if i failed in aught i am now ready to supply it what would you more i will willingly pay to her majesty what is hers yet i must pay to god what is his then as for excommunicating her majesty it was exacted of me admitting that excommunication were of effect and that the pope had sufficient authority so to do whether then i thought myself discharged of my allegiance or no i said that this was a dangerous question and that they had demanded this demanded my blood admitting why admitting i would admit his authority and then he should excommunicate her i would then do as god should give me grace but i had never admitted any such matter neither ought i to be rested with any such suppositions to all this no rejoinder was made it was the identical position taken up by many another harassed martyr the prosecution next turned to the remaining prisoners using the same weak wrong skirmishing tactics campion often putting in a word to hearten one to defend another to guide a third at a certain point he exclaimed so great are the treasons that i and the others have wrought that the jailer who has us in charge told me at night that would we but go to the anglican services they would pardon us straight away serrano who reports this as he answered things in general at the close of the proceedings their issue being prearranged campion was allowed to make a speech to the jurors he eloquently begged them to seek for certainties and to remember the character of the evidence brought before him alas he was appealing to bought men who dared not be true the pleadings had taken three hours the jury deliberated or seemed to do so for an hour or more public opinion in the hall as at the tower conferences was overwhelmingly in favour of campion but the poor twelve as alan calls them came back fearful to be found no friend of caesar bringing in a verdict against the whole company as guilty of the certain treasons and conspiracies the lord chief justice spoke campion and the rest what can you say why you should not die then campion broke out into a brief appeal to the future and the past 
a lyric strain such as was not often heard beneath those ancient rafters so sadly used to the spectacle of noble hearts in jeopardy it was not our death that ever we feared but we knew that we were not lords of our own lives and therefore for want of answer would not be guilty of our own deaths the only thing that we have now to say is that if our religion do make us traitors we are worthy to be condemned but otherwise we are and have been as true subjects as ever the queen had in condemning us you condemn all your own ancestors all the ancient priests bishops and kings all that was once the glory of england the island of saints and the most devoted child of the see of peter for what have we taught however you may qualify it with the odious name of treason that they did not uniformly teach to be condemned with these old lights not of england only but of the world by their degenerate descendants is both gladness and glory to us god lives posterity will live their judgment is not so liable to corruption as that of those who are now going to sentence us to death after which the lord chief justice pronounced the formula in use for all prisoners condemned to capital punishment ye must go to the place whence ye came there to remain until ye shall be drawn through the open city of london upon hurdles to the place of execution and there be hanged and let down alive and your entrails taken out and burnt in your sight then your heads to be cut off and your bodies to be divided in four parts to be disposed of at her majesty's pleasure and may god have mercy on your souls some of the company raised a storm of protest but a campion's voice rose above theirs crying we praise thee o god Sherwin seconded him with a shouted anthem of eastertide this is the day that the lord hath made let us rejoice and be glad therein like expressions of triumph were presently taken up to the amazement of bystanders then the doomed men were parted and were all taken away edmund campion being put in a barge on the thames and rowed back to the tower where he was heavily shackled with irons and left alone End of chapter 12